0: When Gemma was a kid, she liked to play tricks on her family, and she wrote about them in her journal.
1: Last Saturday, Grandma came to my house and stayed for the night. The time before that, when she came to my house, I scared her by putting a fake spider on her left shoulder. I also put a toy weasel in her shoe.
2: I love scaring Grandma. It's so easy.
0: That's Gemma reading from her childhood journal. I'm Dan Meisner, and this... This, right now, is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. How are you doing tonight? This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time recorded live at the Woodford Folk Festival in Australia, we have a spine-tingling horror story written by a seven-year-old, a letter to an exiled love interest, a childhood rap group, and much, much more. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and, like a toy weasel in your shoe, it can be unexpected. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around. Our next reader is Glenn, and Glenn is going to share a short story he wrote when he was seven or maybe eight. It is a horror story, though he promises it is not too scary and maybe a little bit funny. Please welcome to our stage, Glenn.
2: It is 8.30 p.m., and my mom is turning out the light just as she does, a zombie with green skin and no eyes or hair, but can still see. (laughs) Hurtles through a round portal in the floor and sucks the blood and soul out of my mum. (laughs) The zombie picks me up and throws me through the portal. Ah! I scream, the pupils in my blue eyes growing larger than ever before, my brown hair blowing in the wind. (laughs) Where am I? I shouted. I look around at a dark grey wasteland with thunderclouds all around and nothing seemed to be alive. Then I notice a graveyard out of the corner of my eye. I walk over to the graveyard and heard a blood-curdling scream coming from a grave with the words, Nagash, Supreme Lord of the Undead, written on it with blood. Just then, a six-foot-high skeleton burst out of the grave, wearing a crown made of rat skulls. (laughs) He was holding a staff in his right hand and wearing a cape with crossbones on it. He was moving his lips, but nothing was coming out. (laughs) So I ran, ran as fast as I could. However, Nagash was still following me and still moving his lips. (laughs) Then I pleaded, ''What do you want with me?'' I want you to die. (laughs) But slowly, he said. (laughs) If you survive, I will send you back to the real world. But first, you must defeat my undead army. (laughs) I will give you a sword and armor, but that is all. Then an army of zombi- zombies, ogres, goblins, skeletons and a huge zombie dragon came hurtling out of the ground. They started to charge at me. I chopped off an ogre's head and took a grenade out of the ogre's pocket, ripped out the pin in my teeth and threw it at a group of skeletons blowing each one to bits. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting bored, yells Nagash. <laughs> And tells the zombies, goblins and ogres to return to their graves. So I can leave? No, not until you defeat me. Nagash jumped on the zombie dragon. He then broke my back with his staff. Ah! I screamed. I crawled up to the dragon and chopped off its foot. Blood then splattered all over my eyes and I could hardly see. The dragon let out an almighty yell and a huge ball of fire came hurtling towards me. It hit my legs and burnt my skin and bones and all that was left of my legs was a pile of red blood and veins. (laughs) With my last bit of strength, I threw my sword and watched it split in a gash in half. Blood and guts went flying everywhere. I did it, I yelled. I really did it. Then I fall down a hole and end up back in bed at 8 30 p.m. My mummy's back and she turns out the lights. I've had nightmares ever since. Thank you. Glenn, everybody.
0: That was very wholesome. Thank you very much. When Mandy was 13, she wrote a love letter to a guy named Corey. Corey was being sent to boarding school in New Zealand because he'd caused some trouble in school and had been suspended. So we're going to hear Mandy's 13-year-old love letter to exiled Corey. First, we're going to hear a short prologue mini-letter that she sent to her best friend about Corey. And the thing you need to know about this love letter to Corey is that it was written But never sent, which is why Mandy has it to share with us tonight. Please welcome her to our stage.
1: Dear Kia, I heart Corey, but he used me and said nothing else. Three hours together and all that kissing, touching, and holding meant nothing to him. He is going with Kimberly, some chicken grade 10. She's so lucky. I heart Corey, but he used me. He used me. I am confused and feel used and very hurt and very used. (laughs) I wish he still liked me. All that time I dreamt about him. Everything came true for three hours of pure heaven. (laughs) Friday night had everything. Excitement, danger and love. I don't understand how he could be so passionate and not care. (laughs) He only likes my legs. Big whoop. (laughs) I heart Corey, but he used me. I will never do that again. I will get to know him first. (laughs) A few short months later, (laughs) Corey, please do not open until on plane to New Zealand, and I mean it. (laughs) Signed, XXXX. Forex, my favourite beer. <laughs> Dear Corey, I'm not a very good letter writer, but I guess I'll have to get used to it. I'm writing this on Sunday, the 18th of July, 1992, the day we were supposed to meet at the train station. I can't believe that the minute we patch things up, you have to leave, but I guess it's for your own good. <laughs> Even though you haven't left yet, I'm missing you. I hope you get okay food on the plane. And I hope you have a pretty cool roommate. At the moment, I don't know if I'll get to kiss you goodbye or not. I hope so. I can't wait for the Christmas holidays, but just try not to miss me too much. Joke. (laughs) Remember the Friday afternoon we walked home? (laughs) That was one of the weirdest and best afternoons of my life. I still can't believe I did that. (laughs) One day I'll send you my picture. If you send me one of yourself, preferably naked. (laughs) Joke. (laughs) I hope that my letters cheer you up. And I really hope that you're smiling and thinking about me. (laughs) You're probably thinking that you won't be able to have another girlfriend. But (laughs) one bonus about me, I don't mind if you do. (laughs) Because I'll probably get another boyfriend. (laughs) But I'll never like him as much as I do you. So no matter how much you like your girlfriend, please save at least a little love in your heart for me. I love you, Corey. I've never said that to any guy in my life, so feel privileged. Please don't show this letter to anyone else because I'd be totally shamed out if you did. Lots and 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 lots of love. Mandy, TP. Tongue patch, TP, 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 TP. Thank you.
0: Mandy, everybody, one more time. Not everything we hear on stage at Grown Ups Who Thinks They Wrote As Kids is funny. Sometimes people share writing from difficult times in their lives or sad times in their lives. Writing can be a powerful way to work through your emotions as you're going through a tough time. And in a similar way, revisiting your past writing can also be a powerful way to work through your emotions. Our next reader, Venetia, kept a diary when she was 10, 11, and 12. And at our Woodford show, she shared a couple of entries. She told me she chose these particular entries in part as an echo to her grandmother, who had left her physical body the night before our Woodford event. Please welcome to the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids stage, reading her diary entries, Venetia.
3: I actually, um, in preparation for this, read nearly every single diary I've written um, since uh, 1999, which is... This is the first one. Um, And it was hard to choose, but it's best to go from the beginning, isn't it? So, page one. The first of May, 1999. Good cooked breakfasts are yummy. I love pretending to teach classes. I love this photo. Grandma and I feeding the potty lamb. Now, for those of you who don't know what a potty lamb is, it's a lamb that's lost its mum and sometimes you get to have them around your home and feed them. So that's Grandma and I when I was little. It's such a cute photo. Okay, the next part is from the 11th of June, um, 2001. We are driving back home from Silverton. I had my sunglasses on and my head on a pillow, so it looked like I was sleeping. Mum started talking to Dad. She said that Deb thought that it would be the last time that Justin and Kurt would see Granddad. Furthermore, that Granddad would die soon. Last year, supposedly, she said that Granddad has had the, um, at best another year in him. She was right. I want to save my money to buy a trip on a plane down to Armadale. This year may be the last. But then he will never see me at St. Peter's. I want him to. I really want him to. I feel sad. I wish I'd never heard Mum say that. This time, I stayed at Auntie Karen's. It was fun, but I missed being with Grandma and Granddad. Um, and then from the 15th of October, 2001, Monday, Granddad died this morning at about 6:30. He had been standing with Grandma in the hospital and had laid down after saying he did not feel well Grandma hugged him and he went I did not cry as much as I thought I would have I think it's because I've cried before On the way back from Armadale yesterday Dad and I cried all the way to Gaira and passed We talked a lot and let out a lot of emotions, it was great This is a poem Grandma told me not to forget (laughs) If I'm gone when you wake up, please don't cry. If I'm gone when you wake up, it's not goodbye. Don't look at this time as a time of heartbreak and deceit and distress. Remember me. Remember me because I'll be with you in your dreams. I love you, Granddad. Thank you. you.
0: Like I said at the beginning, we recorded this episode at the Woodford Folk Festival in Australia, and we were lucky enough to have a number of musicians and performers share their childhood and teenage writing. Our next reader, Bethany, shared two different pieces, both of them music-related. We're going to hear a journal entry written at 13 years old. This is from year 8 of high school. She says at the time she was trying to find her voice, and we are also going to hear a letter that Bethany wrote to a legendary Australian singer and performer. You will find out who right now. Please welcome to The Grown-Up Street Things they wrote as kids stage, Bethany.
4: Saturday the 7th of July 2001 Tonight dad wanted me to sing for grandma and grandpa and I sucked I just can't sing in front of anyone I break down in tears every time like I am right now I just can't bring myself to do it It's been happening for as long as I can remember The only thing I've ever wanted to do for years since I was little was to sing and I just can't And I'm so scared that I will never be able to sing in front of people and I will waste my life by not doing the one thing that I love so much. (laughs) Dad's always saying that I'll blossom one day and it'll happen, but I don't believe it anymore. I'm supposed to go for an audition for the VCA in August, but there's no point. I won't sing the way I sing at home by myself. In fact, it will be so embarrassing that I thought I could actually have a chance with this pissy, shaky, weak, soft, stupid voice that comes out. (laughs) Singing on stage is the only thing I think about. I don't want people to feel sorry for me at all because there's no excuse anymore for what I do. I just feel it's all a big waste and I should just stop thinking about singing and singing because if I can't share it with people, what's the point? My biggest wish is to be given the confidence to sing with an audience, small or large, because singing brings me so much happiness. I feel so much better that I got that out. Thank you, paper, for listening to me. <laughs> I don't know what, I, what would happen if I had kept that all inside. This is my piece too, Dear John Farnham. (laughs) I don't usually write to people like this, but I think it's really important to tell people how you feel if you have something to say to them. I just then saw you and your band perform on the Sydney Christmas carols on TV. And even though I feel the same way about all of your performances, I felt like I wanted to tell you after tonight... You sing so strongly and powerfully from the heart with so much meaning that you always capture the hearts of the audience. I know this must be really strange coming from a complete stranger, but bear with me because this is a bit weird for me too. (laughs) I'm 15 years old and a singer with a love and passion for music. I strive so much every day to become a well-respected performer and singer when I am older. And with you and lots of others inspiring me, I try every day to be the best I can be. From Bethany Cambridge, Stephen. Thank you.
0: Yeah, one more time.
4: Do I recognize any of who I am today in the diary entry that I read? Uh, yes, I, I am still a perfectionist, still when I do a performance I will focus on you know, the one thing that I did incorrectly or not as well as I could have, rather than focusing on all the great things that I did, uh, which, which is ridiculous, uh, it's a ridiculous thing to do and as a 31 year old it's a ridiculous thing to still do and I'll probably continue to do it forever, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, If I could give my teenage self some advice about performing and music and confidence, uh, I would tell her, try and reassure her that it will be fine in the long run. Uh, With experience and with time, you will get more and more comfortable and you will have success and you will have wonderful experiences. That's what I would probably tell her And, uh, and remind her to try and enjoy every moment because you never know you know, today's performance might be your last. So try and focus on those good parts and just try and love it as you're doing it.
0: When I was a kid, I started a rap group with my friend Garrett. We would spend hours writing songs and then making recordings onto cassette tapes. I actually still have some of those recordings.
3: We're jumping up, pumping on city streets, and baby, we can't be beat.
0: You get the idea. Now, Garrett and I certainly weren't the only small children who had dreams of rap stardom. When Mark was nine, he formed a rap group with his cousin, David. What was the name of the rap group?
5: Well, Inconvenience.
0: Inconvenience. He has an LP. We're going to get to, I think, peek inside this LP cover. And tonight... For maybe the first time this has ever been publicly performed, Mark is going to rap the lyrics to an original song. From year four, please welcome Mark to our stage.
5: Thank you very much. I'm a folk indie musician, but I've got a dark past. Grade four, I formed the infamous group... Inconvenience with my cousin We made our own album (laughs) It's called Get Down and Party (laughs) For the listeners at home It's pretty special, the artwork And uh, on the back (laughs) The song titles The first song was Streetwalker And the next one was Inconvenience Now I didn't know what a streetwalker was I think (laughs) I think I just thought I was walking the street. (laughs) On the record itself, you can see I've cut it out, put my own little scissors, inconvenience, side one. And my name was Langer D, and my cousin was Dodo P. But I forgot to put the B side, which is perfect because it exposes that I used a Burt Bacharach album, (laughs) which is about as rap as you can get. So uh, just focus. All right, here we go. Watch out, New York, cause Melbourne's here. I'll hang a D and Dodo P, making it loud and clear. I'm N like flame, I'm a light in the dark, and no fire brigade, because I'm heavy and large. Eye of the tiger, hungry for action. Can you hear my baseline? Huh, a satisfaction. Running off beats like I'm perfecting. Coming off strong like i suspecting. Here to make history, no mystery involved. Looking for a good time, your problem solved, cause the master plan is in effect. And if I do it, come on, I'll do it correct. <laughs> on the mic when I rhyme to the top, I keep on climbing. Kicking everybody, kicking down, busting loose. Because me and Dodo P.O., we got the juice. Now what, not stop to the beat to you drop. Sweat coming out. Oh, I'm feeling it hot. I'll rock you wherever I'm <laughs> old. for the club or cruising in a car. Because I'm nationally known as a posi-dominator. Style innovator. Death rhyme crew on the microphone. I won't stammer, rocking up and down like a big sledgehammer. Hitting you hard, hitting you hard, hitting it on. I mean on and on like a runaway train coming out of your brain. Yo, Dodo P, can't play it again because I can roll the rhyme and keep the time. I won't slow down because I'm in my prime and if you want the truth, i bust loose. You want to know why? Because we got the juice. Say hey Thank you very much.
0: Mark Lang, everybody. Very, very nicely done. That is grown-ups read things they wrote as kids. Our show is recorded live at the Woodford Folk Festival in Woodford, Australia, and produced by Jenna Meisner. Olivia Nashmi is our associate producer. Special thanks to Chloe, Tashi, Courtney, and Relish at Woodfordia. We would not have made it to Australia without your support. Thank you. Our music is by Poddington Bear and Lullatone. Our closing theme is Oh, Dear Diary by Sloan. If you enjoyed this episode of Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids, tell somebody about it. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening.
2: You to die. (laughs) But slowly, he said.